Open your Bible. Let's talk today. We're starting a brand new series, and I have one big question that I want to answer today. One big thought I want you to take home with you. The question is, are you willing to expand your life and commit to walking forward with God? Are you, as, are you right now in your life willing to expand your life? Are you happy where you are? Are you satisfied with your life, or do you want to expand your life? I want to challenge you in the next six weeks to answer the question, do you live under covenant? The word covenant is a word that's very um, familiar in scripture, but it's not familiar in our culture. Another word would be commitment. What are you committed to? Are you willing, are you, are you interested in expanding your life, expanding your money, expanding your opportunities, expanding your walk with God, expanding your life? Have you come to a place where you're settled and you just don't want to go any further? Or are you willing to believe that your life is not over? Someone told me that the other day. They said, my life is over. This person was in their early 60s and I said, your life is not over. But there is a tendency once you raise children and you get them out of the house and they graduate from something, high school, college, or just anything, you want to feel like, thank you, Jesus, I'm done. And if you're not careful, you'll act like you're done. You'll act like you don't have a life beyond them. As a matter of fact, you can't even imagine life without them. When they leave, you spend all your time asking them when they're coming back. Because you don't have a plan for you. What is your plan for your life? Here's what I want you to notice. I'm going to, over the next six weeks, if you go to the bottom of your sermon notes, you'll see the six questions I plan to ask you over the next six weeks. First of all, today, I want to show you what God's commitment is to you. I want to answer the question, what is God's commitment to you? I'm going to show you today, briefly, his commitment is to expand your life. Everything he does, everything he wants to do with you, church, the Bible, prayer, the music, all this is designed, all that you heard today. At the end of it all, if I'm successful, if God's successful, he wants you to feel expanded. Next week, I'll talk about what are you committed to? What have you made a contract with God about in order to yourself? Forget God for just a moment. What have you committed, what have you committed to? For yourself, not to God, but just to you. I promise me that I will do what? Fill in the blank. We are living in a culture that's becoming less and less committed. You hear it in the political environment. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's really tragic, some of the things that I see. It's a lack of commitment. Third question we'll deal with is, what is your family committed to? The temples. Do what? For the world. The temples. You know, I have this little tradition, you know, we're big recycle people. And every time we recycle something, you know what we say? It's my, my contribution. The temples are recycle people. It's what I do for the environment. Are you kidding? I am not kidding. If you hang around us, you'll see it. We are fierce about it. Don't go that ball away. Save it. Recycle it. Save the environment. What do, what do you do? What does your family do? You got to be really careful that you're living just to work. Fourth question we'll deal with is, what are your friends committed to? That will tell us a lot about you. 
If you're around uncommitted people who have no value, no vision, no direction, no plan, no future, care about nothing, talk about nothing, every day is about what man I found, what woman I see. It's all about something that has zero long-term value. What in the world are you committed to other than finding somebody else to date and then brag on? Is that all you live for? Is that what your friends are all about? Well, that tells me what you're about. And then we'll talk about what your church is committed to. Some churches, and I mentor churches, I mentor pastors all over the country, and I'm telling you, it's amazing how if you're not careful, all you're committed to is the next week. I just want to get done with the day. Hope I did a good job, and you tell me I preach good, and then that's it. I'm done till Wednesday night, right? And then, you know, Wednesday night, you, which we don't have a Wednesday night service on a continual basis. Thank you, Jesus, and we, uh, hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I like to be off from work sometime myself. I, I, I appreciate Wednesday nights when we do them, special classes and whatnot, but I don't want to just be committed to having services. I don't want that to be the essence of what we're committed to. There's no other way to measure our value. So I want you to build buildings so we can come and have more services. I, no, I want to build buildings so I can do stuff. I want to I I I do things for a reason. I want to raise money to do something. I want to make a difference. What is your church committed to? And here's the last thing we'll talk about. What is the government committed to? Now, that one's going to be special. And you might say, what are you going to say? Tune in, I'll tell you. Hold on. And it, it, but we are part of the government, whether you know it or not. And I'll talk about what the Bible says, and I'll give you a hint, Romans 13. The Bible says in Romans 13, there's a lot. We are tied to this thing. And, you, and Peter said, obey the laws of the land for the Lord's sake. There's a, there's, a, there's a linkage we have. I don't think, I'll say this and I'm going to get off of it and run. I don't think we're good at it as Christians sometimes because you hear Christians get a lot of things confused. Jesus said this. Okay, I'm going to give you a hint. You ready? John 17. I'm really off. I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it and run, okay? John 17. Here's what it says. I pray not that you take them out of the world. Just keep them from the evil. Two things. I'm not going to remove you from the planet. You're going to have to deal with all the confusion, all the tensions, all the awkwardness, all the conflicting values. I'm not taking you off the job with those people who curse and people who have different values. I'm not taking you away from people who have different views than you. You're going to have to live with gay people, straight people, adulterers, non-adulterers, liars, cheaters, everybody. You're going to live with everybody, religious, non-religious, super religious, crazy religious. You're going to be in the world with everybody. You're going to have to manage everybody, and you're going to have to love everybody, and you're going to have to learn how to live with everybody. I am not taking you out of the planet. you got to work with it. Come on, say amen. you got to work with it. And you may have your view and your values, and that's fine and you're praying for God to take you off that job and he will not take you off of it because he wants to take you with your saved know the Bible self and put you with some people who need you and they need you to love them for who they are if they never change come on say amen if you're hearing me are you hearing me but that sermon is six weeks away now <laughs> some of you say give me a break just do that one today just let the rest go no, we got to go to part one. You ready? This is really part two. Last week in part one, I talked about everybody needs a Superman. 
They, and, but it's hard to have a Superman that you can have a covenant or contract with or believe in because now everybody that's a leader is being, being challenged. It's amazing. You know, one of the toxic things about this whole political environment right now, let me just say this, is, you know, if, you, if nobody's good, if everybody's evil, who are you going to believe in? And last week I talked about this whole Superman thing. People believe in Superman because they want somebody that can fly. They want to believe in somebody. But if you poison the well and everybody's evil, and that's how you win, make you look bad and make me look good. And so we don't talk about anything but who's worse. And so that whole thing, and you fill your mind with it, and you start taking sides, and you lose sight. Here's what I think you need to do. Understand the, da- the long-term danger, and this is the long-term danger. Now you don't believe in your daddy because your mama talks about how bad and rotten daddies are and how daddy didn't support you. And that's what mama feeds you. And so you grew up not believing in your father. And then you don't believe in a teacher. And then you don't believe in anybody. You don't believe in the police officers because all the police officers are bad. And they're not all bad. But the ones that are bad, we should pray for and work with and deal with. But understand, you don't want to submit to any authority if you're not careful. So you don't want to submit to anybody. You don't want to submit to the government, to anybody. You don't want to deal with any. You become this person. If you're not careful, who doesn't believe in Superman, you don't believe in authority. And so your kids don't believe in authority and they don't listen to you. And then you call the police that you don't believe in to help you with the kids you don't believe in. (laughs) Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying to you? It's a mess. And now you've got for the first time in our history, I mean for the first time, I went back and looked at some of the past political debates. They were bad, but this is amazing. This was amazing. Because what we're doing is sabotaging confidence and leadership. And nobody believes in Superman. That was last week's sermon. Now today, my big point is very simple. God wants to expand the life of all of us. Abraham is going to be the God we're going to look at for a brief moment. And I want to show you how God expanded his life and, and by inviting him into a covenant or a contract agreement. That's what covenant means. It's like signing your name on something, saying, I agree. This covenant would follow his family. Listen to this now. This is so important. For generations, what you commit to does not stop with you. If you are not committed to education, there's a great chance your kids will never be. If you don't go to church, if you don't pray, your kids will never pray. Never. You may not get it, but there's something profound about that lack of commitment. I I told somebody this this morning, I said, you can't come at least stream. At least go on demand. Download the app, Overcoming by Faith app. Stay in touch. Stay connected as much as you can. Some of you work on the weekends. I get it. But are you committed? You know, get your kids with you in the living room and watch. Or have a little Bible study with your kids. Do something. Show that you have a covenant and a commitment to God. Because here's what that does. That shows how far you can expand and the quality of your life. If you make no covenant, you will limit your ability to expand. You can say all day in the world what you want to do, but you, if you don't commit to it, and that's what's on my heart for the next six weeks. Are you a committed person? Are you willing to expand your life and commit? Are you really willing to do that? Well, if you are, you're doing what God committed to doing with Adam and Eve. I love this statement in Genesis chapter, chapter 3, 6, 3, verse 8. There's a statement that was made, the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. God was walking with them. Every day, imagine, God had a commitment with Adam and Eve to meet with them in the cool of the day and talk. A download time where you sat with God and talked about your life. We're so busy today that we don't have any time to do that. People are shocked when I tell them, I am not so busy that I don't have time to think. I do not live that way. I take time off. I will be off after church. As a matter of fact, in about 10 minutes, you're going to be out of here. And I'm going to be done. 
It's going to be five more minutes. I'm going to go fast. And then I'm going home, and I'm, I'm, I, no, I'm taking my wife out on a date. She don't know it yet. And then tomorrow, I am off all day. Say all day. All day. All day. One more time. Say all day. all day. Don't call me tomorrow. I'm off all day. I don't work all that. I don't work like that. I believe in stopping, slowing down, resting, exercise four days last week. I'm committed. I'm trying all I can. I believe with all my heart that it's important for me to expand my life, but some people will never be expanded. But here's what I've learned. Some people think covenants stop when you get a certain age. In Genesis chapter 17, I want you to listen to God speaking to this young man at 99 years old. Listen to what it says. When Abram was how old? 99 years old. This is Genesis 17:1. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am, mighty, I am God Almighty. I am Almighty God, rather. Walk before me and be blameless. God is calling him in the covenant. Come sign the contract. I want you to be faithful. 99 years old. And I like that because covenants are not limited to age. You can start when you're young, like Jeremiah. You can start when you're young, like Solomon, or you can start when you're older. Believe it or not, this man was 75 years old in Genesis chapter 12 when he started. I listed for you several examples of this because what you're going to learn about covenants is it's not only not age limited, but it's also sometimes requires years of patience. Covenants are, require years of you waiting sometimes and working. When you sign the contract, it's not going to be overnight. There's a process you go through. Genesis 12 says Abraham, it took him 75 years to get to the right city. Some of you say that's a long time. In Genesis 16, he was 87, 88 years old. And God spoke to him about a covenant. That was 11 years after the first time he spoke to him. Genesis 17, 1, he's 99, where we are now. That was 13 years since God spoke to him. Now, Genesis 21, 5, he's 100 years old. That's when he had his child. When he was 99, finally, after 24 years of waiting, God said, okay, next year you're going to have your child. And so now, at 100 years old, he has his child. Imagine that, your first baby. That's when we're going to start having babies at 100 years old, honey. Imagine that. And then he lived to be 175 years old. Sometimes it takes a while to get to your dream. Sometimes you're not willing to wait, but it doesn't matter. I'm glad that some things didn't come to me when I wanted them because I wasn't prepared for them. A big church with a lot of responsibility and a whole lot of money to manage and people, and, and, and I wanted to overbuild. And I mean, there's a lot of things I had to learn. No, 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 no. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. No, 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 no. You don't need all that. Some of you want a man. You don't need one. Yes, I do, Pastor. No, you don't. Yes, I do. See, that's what I mean right there. See? You don't need one. You need you. You need you. Because a lot of times you get one and you want to throw them back in the water like a fish. And some of you want one, had a few already. I'm not making that up. You know it's the truth. And some of you women, some of you men, the same thing. Here's what I've learned. Patience is a good thing. Sign the contract and wait. God, I want to walk with you. God, I want to be with you. I'm not going to rush this. Come on, say amen if you're hearing me. Amen. Also learn thirdly that not only are covenants things that require patience, it's not age-specific. I've learned that covenants are personal. Look at chapter 17, verse 2, under number 3 in your notes. I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. It's personal. It's not what my friends do. It's what I do. 
I need to think about that. Teenagers don't get lost. It's what you do. You need to say, I, I, Ricky Temple only does this. I don't do that. And there's something about God calling Abraham. I want you to understand this is a private conversation between you and I. And here's what I promised. Here's what he promised him. A name change. Promise number two, he'd be fruitful. And promise number three, that he'd have land. All of that was God's promise. And here's the question you might ask. Well, okay, that's what he promised Abraham, but how does that relate to me? Well, here's how it relates to you. The Bible says in Genesis, Galatians chapter 3, verse 8, you get to share in Abraham's promise. Here's verse 8. The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand saying, in you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing in Abraham, with believing Abraham. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, curse is everyone who hangs on a tree. That the blessings, why do you do that? That the what? Blessings. blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. All of that's what Abraham modeled for us and taught us. And so we then now are called to the question, will we make the covenant with God? If you do, two things I believe you can expect to happen. Number one, when you make a covenant with God, it becomes multiple, multiple, it affects multiple generations. Look at verse 9 of chapter 17 of Genesis. God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant and your descendants after you throughout their generations. Here's what I can promise you. If you become a black belt professional cusser, your children will be. It, you will pass down to them a, a, an attitude towards the men. Believe it or not, you will pass it down. Whatever you think, whatever you feel, whatever your attitude is towards life, government, whatever it is, it, it doesn't just stop with you. And he told Abraham that. He said, listen, what you do, the covenant you make today is multiple. It will affect multiple generations. A lot of what you have today or don't have is generational. A lot of it today. You can blame anybody you want. What's really amazing is how our world has shifted. We used to blame our families. Now we blame the government. We used to look for our families. We used to say, that's my son. I need to fix him before he go to school because that's my son. See, now understand, when you have a son that's disrespectful and disobedient and doesn't do right, and, and you send them to school as if the teacher can save them, but they can't hit them. They used to hit us. They used to help a little bit. I'm not saying they need to bring that back, but they used to have a big old paddle, and they used to wear you out so you knew if your mama didn't get you, some of you looked petrified, but they did. How many of you got paddled in school? Raise your hand. Mm-hmm. See, you're the survivors. <laughs> Assume the position. I remember that. <laughs> I didn't even do some things. I was unjustifiably paddled on a couple of occasions. I'm not saying it was right and it was, it was gone. It was thrown out because of abuse. I understand. I get it. I'm not saying bring it back. But here's what I'm saying to you. There's something that happens when you raise up a generation of people who do not fear anyone. You don't, they used to be that thing on TV, say, where are your children? Remember that commercial used to come on? Now parents don't know where your children are. Some of them wouldn't be hurt if they was in the house. Where are you that time of night? What are you doing that time of night? 
And then there used to be a rule. If you went out and you weren't supposed to, you couldn't get back in. They used to lock the door and say, where are you going? I'm, you sneak out, they come back, the window bolted, everything tied down. And you know what? The police and everybody in the society and the teachers, everybody was on the side of the parent. Everybody was in the fight. Everybody said no. Everybody said we're not tolerating this. Everybody. Everybody. My mom used to tell me, talk back, call them juvenile, come get you. See, it meant something different. I know my mother, I'm going to tell a quick story. I got to get out of here. My mother, my mother tricked me. I know she tricked me. I was, uh, I was about middle school age, and I was clowning around, was on the way to the movies with some friends, and I remember where I was. It was, it was now it's MLK and Vermont. That's where it is in L.A. Now it's, it's, um, it's ML, it was Santa Barbara then, but it was MLK. Back then, Santa Barbara and Vermont. And we were going to the movies, and I was running across the street, and I, I was clowning around, running through traffic, just, just doing my thing, running through the traffic. And I was doing my little cute little run across the traffic to catch the bus. Well, I got across the street, and all I saw was boots. <laughs> Big old black boots. Because I was running like this, and I saw those boots, and that officer said, come here. And he reached in the back of that big old motorcycle, pulled out the biggest notebook you ever saw. What's your name, son? Running across the traffic like that. Jaywalking in L.A. is a big deal. They'll give you a ticket for that in L.A. And so I ran across, and I said, uh, uh, Ricky, Ricky Temple, sir. Ricky Temple. He said, what's your address? I was scared to death. I was so scared. And I wrote myself, and he gave me a ticket, and I gave it to my mother. I couldn't hardly enjoy the movie after that. You know, I had to go home and turn in that ticket. So I went went down there, and I know my mother talked to that man. And that man, because I could tell, because he he, he, he came in, he took me in a room, and they sat me down, and they said, "Uh, son, why do you think we have rules? I said, so people can do what they're supposed to (laughs) do. Scared me straight right there. That was it. That was the end of my criminal career right there. Bam. It was gone. Scared me straight. I was no more. That was it. My mother looked at me on many occasions. She said, let me tell you something. We don't need another fool in the world. We don't need another fool. We don't need anybody who doesn't pay attention. If you go down there, I'm not coming to get you. You hear me? She meant that. One thing about Laura Beatrice Temple. When she prophesied to you, no, she, no, I'm serious, I'm a young person. If she told you you was on punishment for four weeks, it was four weeks, 24-hour days. You were not getting off pro, no probation or nothing. She meant it. And you know what? I grew up believing. I grew up believing that I couldn't do anything. I grew up believing. And guess what I teach my kids? You can't do anything. And guess what they teach their kids? You can't do anything. There's something that I remember Christina looked at Milani one day. Milani was, was kind of screaming. And, and Christina said, baby, let me tell you something. You got some different grandparents. You got some different people in this family. You may scream now, but we don't believe that in this family. And Milani don't know what she's saying. She's just a year old. But Christina was saying, let me tell you, I've been through this process already. <laughs> There's something that you pass down to your family. If you're a praying man, you pass praying down to your family. If you're a fasting man, you pass fasting down to your family. But if you are a pornographic person, that's what you pass down to your family. If you pass down the evil spirit to your family, what will they become? But I tell you today, you can change your direction. Today, you can say not anymore. Today, you can draw a line in the sand and say, we're going to be different in this family. Come on, shout amen. Come on, shout amen if you hear it. How many want to step in the covenant with God? Stand on your feet. 
If you want to step into covenant with God, if you want to say, Lord, I'm going to sign a brand new contract. I don't care what's happening in my family. And I love this, and you can read it on your own. The covenant was with the males. He told him, he said in chapter 17, he says, I, I, I want to make a covenant with you, Abraham. And then he pulled out a knife. So I'm going to cut you. You need to bleed. And I'm not going to cut the woman. I'm going to cut the men. I'm going to cut the men. And every time, and don't you blush because you watch Empire, so you can, you, can, you can stand what I'm about to say. Don't be acting like you go, what are he saying in church? You just listen. All those TV shows you watching and we'll watch later on today, you'll be all right. God said, I'm going to cut you where you won't forget. I'm going to circumcise the men. And I, and, and I want you every time, several times a day to remember you in covenant. See, God knows how to mock you. Mock you in the place of your temptation. Buckle up, you all right. Every time you want to be intimate with somebody, I want them to know you're in covenant with God and you're violating your covenant. And I want you to know. Covenant. You want to fix this world, fix the guys. Start with us. You want to get it right, start with us. A man with the Holy Spirit on him is an amazing man. A man with God in his life is an amazing man. You bring a spirit wherever you go, healing wherever you go. Your words are powerful. God anointed a woman for specific purposes, but there's nothing like hearing a bunch of men say amen. Now, hold on for a second. You won't believe me. Brothers, say amen. amen. You heard that? No, that ain't, that ain't that. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Brothers, say hallelujah. Hallelujah. There you go. Come on, say amen. Praise God. That's, when the brothers say amen, the earth shake a little bit. When granddaddy's living right, when granddaddy is standing up, when granddaddy says, hey, stop all that in here. Lord have mercy. Father God, I pray. Holy Spirit would strike in, this, in the hearts of your people a passion to live in covenant. To live in covenant with God. Over these next six weeks, let the Spirit of God bring healing and revival in every mind and every heart. And help us to get it, get connected to this truth. And Father, I thank you for what you said today. I thank you for the power of the Word of God and what is communicated to us today. I honor you and I praise you. Now, if you're here today with every head bowed, every eye closed, you said, Pastor, I have been out of covenant with God. But what you said today has made me see I need to be in covenant. I want you simply to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for men who say, women who say, I want to be in covenant. I see you. Anybody else saying, pray for me. I see you. I see you too. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see all three of you. I see you too. I see all of you. I see all these back over here, two or three. I see you. Father God, I, I, the back, in the back, I see another three or four. I got about 20 plus people here. Father God, touch them in Jesus' name. Let this be the moment that their lives change where they say, I want to be in covenant with God. I acknowledge my need to, to change my ways. I can't change on my own, but I ask Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I repent for the things. I, I'm sorry for the things that I have not done in, that, are, that, that are inconsistent with your will for my life. You only want to help me. 
So today I thank you for your forgiveness and I receive you in my life, Lord, to be the Lord of my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give God a big hand clap for the service?